Well, welcome to another podcast at Hunting Under Heaven. I'm your host, James Schultz, and today we'd like to talk about uh, things that really matter, things that are of eternal significance, things that uh, are not just things, they are absolutes. And we often neglect those uh, because of our busy schedules, and yet at Hunting Under Heaven, all I'm trying to do is uh, keep speaking the eternal matters as we're all in this thing called time that goes around and around and every second is precious and how often we neglect to understand the vanity of life and it's a vanity especially with no hope in Christ and it's a vanity to such a degree that men have lost sight of uh, and traded in their eternity for monetary gain, pleasure, and worthlessness. If they understood that the very ground whereon they stand, the very uh, ground underneath their feet is a uh, worm bed. It's a massive graveyard. It's a, uh, a place that beckons them back. And they, they toil around all these years for pleasure and they trade in time for drunkenness and drug addictions and porn and sex and uh, broken homes and money and pleasure. They're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. This is the natural realm. And that's why so much time is spent in kingdom building and killing and murdering and destroying and envying and over these matters that... Uh, should be really regarded as foolishness. And the real sobriety of mind comes when we uh, partake in the understanding of the brevity of life. And we really uh, start looking deep at our eternity and what the Lord uh, has given to us in his word. I, I want you to see today the importance of God's word over all things. You actually have been born into a system, a deranged system, that lied to you in every facet. Every part of life by men is a lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. I can say that, and that is the truth according to Scripture. Let God be true and every man a liar. And so God's given his word to us, that we would uh, have truth. Jesus came as the way, the truth, and the life. So when you start comparison, uh, comparing Jesus's words to everyone around you, it's glaring. It's evident that God's word is true and every man's a liar. That's why in 2020, if they say it's a clear vision year, what I would say, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the hearts of the children of disobedience, he's belched out his lie after lie and given false hope after false hope. And so I keep telling people, come back to God's word. Come back to God's word. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's two immutable witnesses that cannot lie. That's the oath of the covenant that God made with himself for your behalf to be a son of Abraham, a seed of faith. That's, the, that's God 
and the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. A lot of people don't dissect that. They want to worship God the Father in one area, Jesus Christ in another area, and the Holy Spirit in another area. But the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in Christ. He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, the Father will send the Spirit of Truth. I, I'll leave, but the Spirit of Truth will come called the Comforter. He'll come in my name. As a matter of fact, John says, I will come unto you. That's what Jesus' words are. I will come unto you. So he says here in Second uh, Timothy 4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom. See, this is the inevitability of life. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every man is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. Now, now hear me on this. The beauty of coming to Christ is Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I want you to really be encouraged this morning that the uh, confirmation that God gave to us through his words of his son is that coming unto Christ, there is no more judgment. There is no more condemnation. Those that come to before the judgment seat in their own works, yeah, the books are going to be open. The Bible says in the Revelation, the books will be open and they will be judged every man according to his works. If that's what you're holding on to, you will be judged by your works. But those that come unto Christ, I'm telling you right now that coming unto Christ, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That condemnation has been laid upon uh, the shoulders of Christ. He bore that judgment. So he says here, that we will come before the, the judgment seat, the, the dead, the quick of the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So the spiritual kingdom is going to judge, understand this, the spiritual kingdom of Christ is going to judge the physical kingdom of men by their works. See, to come to Christ, the work is finished. It's complete. That's the, the ability that Christ gave you to come boldly to the throne of grace now instead of t full of timidity. And like the priest used to have bells on his, the hem of his garment because if he fell over dead because of the wrath of God when he was doing uh, the work of the high priest in the inner sanctuary, if he fell over dead, the sound of the, those tinklings silenced and they drug him out by a rope. But the, the truth is that, that being timid to come to God is no longer there in Christ. I want you to see the power of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and that spiritual kingdom is going to judge. It's going to judge in righteousness. God's judgment is his righteousness. His righteousness is his judgment, and he's going to judge it as a spiritual kingdom over that which is physical. Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. This, that fleshly man is gone. We are, if you're in Christ Jesus, you're a new creature. You're a new creation. You're born of the Spirit. You're, if you believe in Christ as your Savior, you are a new creation of God. I want you to understand that today. You are a, being born of the Holy Ghost. You are a spiritual son and daughter of righteousness. You are an inheritor of his kingdom, spiritual kingdom. So that's what Paul's getting at in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I wanted to, I wanted to spend a little time on that. Preach the word. This is what the duty is to preach the word. And the, what I what I feel my duty is these days is to preach the word as a as a uh, a God called minister uh, appointed to preach the word so that it would roust up the members of this army, the the young men, the young women, the the sergeants, the the new generals, the captains. Okay, 
and rouse them up to the point in, that they are literally, um, and I was talking to my uh, daughter the other day about being irritated because of sin to such a degree that the zeal of that pushes you into an envelope that you never thought you could go. I want you to understand that the monsters out there, uh, the enemy against your soul, wants you so bad that he wants, like, do you remember when uh, Jesus said to Peter, Satan, Peter, behold, Satan hath desired to have you and to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. So we, there are many out there that think that they're going to somehow get through it in their carnal wicked tongue and their carnal lifestyle and their carnal ways and their and they've never come to Christ. I have, I have uh, family members and extended family members and close friends that have never come to Christ. They have never made a profession of faith and said, I, I know I am so bankrupt that I have no other way. I'm going to hell. I'm going to the pit. I'm going back to this graveyard. And I am going to be held captive by the tentacles of this wicked one. I'm not getting out of this because I never came to Christ. You see, a preacher that's preaching the truth is telling men and women everywhere, you got but a short time, come to Christ for salvation because he brought the truth of salvation. He finished the work for you. Come to him. He's the great captain and savior of your soul. Quit lingering in the camp of the wicked. Quit hanging around with the wicked. Be broken in spirit today. My prayer is for my family, friends, and loved ones, and then those far and near that the Lord puts this word out to, that they would be broken in spirit because the Bible says that the Lord is far from those that are of a proud countenance and a high look, but he is nigh unto those that are of a broken and contrite spirit. Meaning that you saw yourself for the first time today, maybe as a sinner and said, I need Jesus. I need Christ. I am done. I'm a fool. I've made mistakes. I'm living a lifestyle of wickedness. I am unhappy. I am unfulfilled. I am hollow inside. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm full of anguish of soul. I'm anxiety riddled. I'm psychologically impaired. I'm drug addicted. I'm addicted to everything. And you know what, Lord? I need the addiction of the ministry now. I need to be addicted to the ministry of grace. I want that to be your thought today. What is your addiction? Where are you addicted? We're all addicted to something and there's holes in every one of us. And the best preacher is the biggest hypocrite. Often hypocrisy teaches us humility. When we realize how hypocritical we are, we say, Ah, oh, Lord, pray for me that my faith fails not. Help thou mine unbelief. I'm a sinner. I need your salvation, not my works. My works are as filthy rags, the best of them. My tongue, what it speaks, needs sanctifying work that the, the angels would, would run a tongue from off the altar in a hot coal and sear my wickedness on my tongue and make it healed by the fire of God. That's what Isaiah in chapter 6 of Isaiah, he was talking about that he was a man of unclean lips. So we're to preach the word in uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Preach the word in verse 2. Be instant, without delay, in season. So there's seasons of fruit picking. There's a time where we pick fruit and there's a time when we don't. We wait. But in the season of fruit picking, he says that's when we're to be instant, ready. 
And now it is. I'm telling you, my prayer today was that the Lord would send laborers into his harvest. The harvest is great and the laborers are few. Are you a laborer that needs to go out in the field? Go. Don't wait for hire. Just go. The Lord of that field is going to reward you with his promises of the crown of life. Read, read the first chapter of the book of James. The crown of life that he will give to you. You, you can't, you, we cannot, uh, to, today my, my thoughts are that we cannot delay for something that we're going to get out of this. We have individuals everywhere around us that are hurting and hungering. And we have to say the words like James said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So the Lord has shown you his love. Let's go out into the field and preach the word and be instant in season. And then he says out of season when it's not fruit picking time. When the season's over, there's a time for pruning. There's a time for watering. There's a time for fallow ground. There's always a time to teach something about the kingdom of God. You look at the seasons, the four seasons of the earth. The spring, the summer, the winter, the fall, the winter. Each one of those are seasons that have a certain time and a duty that the children of God must needs perfect. In the springtime, you're getting ready to break up the fallow ground. You're getting ready to plant the seed. You're waiting for the spring rains and the, the tender herbs grow. That's a season there that we do uh, these works underneath the soil too. And you, you get things ready. And then you go through the summer of hard irrigation, hard uh, weed control. You go through that summertime and in hopes of a fruitful field, in hopes of fruit bearing. So you go through that. And what you have is uh, these fall times that come and there's tons in the bushel, tons of peaches, oranges, apples, plums, pears, grapes. The harvest is great. And, and there's a time for just preaching and it's easy to bring them in off the tree. And that season is easy. It really is. And then the, the winter, there's a time where there is coldness of heart. There is the ground is hard and frozen. The trees, the sap has run to the, the, the roots. It's protecting itself. There's a time that we still preach the fire of God and in some cases pull men out by fear. So that sometimes in the wintertime, the fire of God must needs to be stoked and roaring. And, and sometimes the briars get burned. Sometimes there's smoke in the air. Sometimes the wrath is so apparent that people in their coldness turn and come to the light and come to the fire. So that's, that, that's what that scripture means in season and out of season. And then he says to reprove sin. That's the one thing he says, reproving the works of darkness, re making a manifest, showing everybody this is what needs to be done today. For us to get through this tough time in our nation, we have to reprove sin. It's a time of bringing in the sheaves and, 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 and pounding out the wheat from the, the chaff. It's a time for that, but we have to reprove sin. We should not let it come into our eyes. Turn our faces from this that's going on today and reprove it. And then he says, rebuke it, that we rebuke it also. We turn our word in strength and in the authority of God's word to rebuke the wicked spirits. There are times that the Lord rebuked the evil spirits to come out of them. And he rebukes them. And that is what our word is today, to rebuke. And then he says, in that rebuke, sometimes it causes a lot of pain and duress in a human's life. And so what we do after that is you 
come to them and you exhort them, you lift them up, you build them up, you tell them, this is the truth. This is the word of the gospel. This is Jesus Christ, your savior. This is the hope of glory. This is the great mystery of, of Christ. You know, I heard somebody say that it's the mystery of the gospel. No, it's the mystery of Christ is actually how it's written. So the mystery of Christ is revealed through the preaching of the gospel and manifested to his people. So if you look at uh, uh, this this word of rebuke and, and reprove and exhort, those are all to cleanse, to turn from sin, and then to give peace of mind to the sinner that came to Christ. So exhort with all longsuffering. That's patience and doctrine. So in patience, we wait for that precious fruit of the earth, and we wait for it while we hold to the doctrines of Christ. You don't you don't see what what we have today is a lot of individuals building these uh, facilities of, of uh, religious institutions uh, for prosperity and for profit, and they're not the church of God. They're not the church of God at all. There are a lot of them are these uh, uh, these little strange fellowships, and they're these strange little uh, 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 times of ignorant share time, and they're not the church of God. They don't have authority. They they're weak. And they don't have power. They don't have a called God-fearing minister that preaches in power. That, that's the difference. You got to look at individuals today, uh, where they're going and what they're listening to is either teaching and it's weak and it's pathetic and it's ignorant and it's watered down and it's milk sauce and it's mollycoddled syndrome. Or you have powerful preachers that, you know what, a lot of people don't want to hear preaching. There's a big difference between teachers of men and preachers of God. Look at this. Preach the word. So the very thing he says is preach the word. That is, there needs to be preachers. And if they're not recognized who preachers are by the power of the Spirit and the unction of the Holy Ghost, and men would love to just sit around and listen to idle words of teaching, you can be taught by anything. But when we're talking about preachers and how few there are becoming in our nation today of God called ordained preachers, and this is the saddest part of it, the saddest part is the church or those that are calling themselves Christians have lost the ability to recognize them. I, I hope you get that. And really, even on a sadder note, is the absolute confusion you know, it's funny to me how the King James Bible is now being ridiculed when the King James Bible, they, they, they smash it apart today and that it's just another version, whatever. But the King James Bible, yeah, they, they may say there's all sorts of problems with it. And yet it was one of the most foundational books written in the process of time for hundreds and hundreds of years that brought so much revival and change and beauty and salvation and nations humbled and people's lives bettered by the gospel that was preached through that writing. And now we have an entire society of religious institutionalized men and women that are smug and arrogant and have all these new revised versions and I call them reverse visions. And they have all this change going to the word of God where when you sit down in public and there's four to five of them reading at the same time, it's mass confusion. It sounds to me like Babylon. And everybody has an interpretation and everybody has a word and everybody has a saying. And they've even disregarded the fact that men were supposed to be preaching in the churches, not women. 
And this is very offensive to our modern day religious institution. I don't call it the church because I'm not calling it the church because there's a big definition between the church of Christ and religious institutions of men. Massive. Just like there is a big difference between somebody that stands up in a pulpit and calls himself a pastor and a preacher, and he's not a preacher, nor is he a pastor. Barely he's a teacher. So when we have individuals that we're dealing with today that are always full of argument, I think that they come from a different spirit. Argumentative and questioners and butters. Goats are butters. They're always butting things around. You know, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, reprove rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And and this is this is see a lot of times men don't want dark, doctrine. They want darkness. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They don't want doctrine. They don't want a preacher preaching sound teaching or sound doctrine. They want this. The Bible says right here, this is what Timothy says, for the time will come, here's where we are today as a nation, when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will do just what they did in uh, Stephen's defense of the, of the gospel in Christ. They will plug their ears, gnash on him with their teeth, take him out and stone him. See, we have a society right now that call themselves Christians and are not, nothing of Christ. We have an entire society right now that says uh, they have teaching and doctrine, but it is in opposition to Christ. You have literally what's going on today is a mollycoddle religious institution that panders to the weak-minded, uh, quote-unquote, religious gurus, that panders to the nominal carnal Christians, and they do not require any repentance they're not, you're not even hearing that stuff anymore. And turn to Christ and turn from sin and the judgments of God against sin and hellfire and damnation against sin. You, you look at God's uh, Christ's words. He said that, the, that hell, that's where the devil and angel, it was made for the devil and his angels of disobedience. And all the sons and daughters of disobedience have their place there. The false prophet. Oh, you understand me on this. This is a place that it's not even talked about anymore. You don't ever hear about it. You hear all these good little things and all this frivolity and all this. Uh, it makes me nauseous at times. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will oppose it. Oh man, they will oppose it. I, I get into so many contexts where I start listening to the conversation and it's just absolutely, I am appalled because they have so far removed their feet from sound doctrine. Now, they will not endure it. They stopped their ears at Stephen's defense in chapter 7 of Acts. And they ran on him and murdered him because of what he said. He told them, y'all are idol worshipers. Y'all love the star of your god, Rimpan, and the tabernacle of Moloch. You always resist the Holy Ghost. You won't listen to the word of the Holy Ghost. You don't listen to his word. You wouldn't listen to Moses. You abhorred the law. You didn't keep the law. You killed. You murdered. They will not endure sound teaching, but after their own lusts, and this is what we have today, this is what we have today, after their own lusts, selfish desires, what makes me feel good, what makes my mind actually calibrate that I am right, and that we are calculated in this, and that we are literally uh, 
doing our denomination is functioning as the top one we are of paul and apollos and cephas and christ we're all sectarian in our views and we back it by our philosophies not doctrine but our words they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lust the bible says here this is what the scriptures teach after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers what See, that, that's a difference between a God-called preacher and these constant spewing out of their mouth teachers that they hire, hirelings. They graduate out of these cemeteries and they keep portraying these sounds that feel good and they grow great followings. But I will say that if a man is truly preaching the truth of God's word, he will wind up in jail. He will be accosted by his own kind. He will be betrayed by his own countrymen. And he will commune with the chief captains and the, of the military and the chieftains of the religious institutions. And they will conspire and take money and bribes and come against you with staves and with sticks and swords. And they will put you in prison and they will kill your body thinking they do God a service, but they don't touch the soul. And this is what our society has come to today. They have heaped to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know, as I looked at that, the word heap is often what you do when you load a horse or a donkey or a mule uh, with gear going into the woods to hunt or coming out of the woods with meat on their back. You heap them on. You try to, sometimes you overload because you only got one trip and you got to get out. And so heaping things on, you always heap on uh, a beast of burden, things maybe that are unnecessary. And so without being in the simplicity and the warrior mode of Christ and a follower of Christ to travel light and be uh at ease and liberty and free <clears throat> we have a society now that is heaped to themselves these dung piles of ministries these uh, uh stew pots of corruption this graveyard and worm bed of idolatry of babylonish uh, uh it's like a babylonish factory it's pumping out more carnal teaching and more carnal living and less of christ and more of man they, they teach for doctrines the commandments of men, heaping to themselves teachers. I want you to understand that. And I am right now battling in my own life uh, certain individuals that I know that love to have these weak teachers. And I, I just, I'm amazed by it. No fire, no passion, no understanding. Just minimal, weak teaching and yet they forsake the doctrines of christ they really don't touch on them and you know what i'm talking about this is what we have teachers having itching ears now think about this who has the itching ears the people listening or the person talking um i want to say at this time that it's both because a lot of teachers just love to hear themselves speak. And a lot of people in the audience just love to hear that man's words to do nothing with. 
teachers often are teaching in one ear and out the other. And that's why the ear is constantly itching. It goes in one ear and it goes out the other ear. There is no retention. There is no retention of understanding. There's no ability for individuals to really retain it because I'm going to tell you this right now. This is the, this is the bottom line. You only retain spiritual truths from God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual kingdom. It is a spiritual word. It is a spiritual doctrine. It is a spiritual Lord. It's a spiritual cup. It's a spiritual drink and meat. It's a spiritual sacrifice. It's a spiritual word. And what you have today with teachers that are not anointed by the Holy Ghost and called and put in that position, you have a lot of words that are retained in an intellectual manner. And sadly, when I listen to a lot of it, I just mourn in my spirit over the, just the surface, scratching, empty words that individuals have been addicted to. He says that there, their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In one ear, out the other, continual irritation, never retaining. To the spiritual, all things are spiritual. To the unregenerate, the spiritual things are unclean to them. They don't like them. He says here, having itching ears, and look at how they, what they do with their itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto lies. With a continuation of religious institutions that take another gospel doctrine form, that preach out of new revised reverse visions, that have hirelings coming out of dead cemeteries, graduates from cemeteries, as their leaders, and they're not God-appointed called preachers, they are appointed of men, hirelings, you have individuals that have turned away from the truth, their ears are itching both sides for more teaching of intellect, not spiritual depth, and they will be turned, he says, they turn away their ears, just like Ephraim, the Bible says Ephraim is as a cake unturned. He's burnt on one side and undone on the other. And it says Ephraim has turned to his idols. Leave him alone. The sad state of affairs in our nation right now, I fear, is that God has left the manifested so-called religious institutionalized Zionist loving whorehouse of Babylon system of religion alone. They've addicted themselves not to the word of God and the ministry of Christ and searched out for God-called ministers that are appointed of God, but they've hired to themselves hirelings that speak lies, doctrines of men, and make intellect the most important thing and then seemingly seem intelligent and filled with all these understandings, but yet they disobey the very basic principles of the doctrines of Christ. 
I'm going to tell you this right now. You know how I know some of those things? Because what's going on that I see on a daily basis as absolute rebellion to God's word. I see it all the time. And, and, and if, if I'm like the only one that sees it and nobody else is seeing it, like, come on. Let me explain it to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verse 33, the Bible says, God is not the author of confusion. Who's the author of confusion? The wicked one. He's not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. So we got to, he defines churches of the saints different than institutions of men because what's going on in the institutions of men is absolutely contradicting the church of the living God. Oh man. Whoa, whoa, we got to really redefine church. And maybe I'll get into that sometime, but there's a lot of things going on in the name of churchliness that is not church. And I'm going to start proving it here because you start taking away God's word and stripping God's word and changing God's word and making it what you want it to be and fit what you want, then you don't have a church. You are not the bride of Christ. You are not part of the body of Christ because his word is absolutely the direction of the church. His ministry is the direction the church goes. The word of Christ supersedes all. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches, all churches of the saints, uh, defining it right there. Now look, look what he uses. Because you can tell me right now, you might have a church, but if you have the spirit of Jezebel in that church that has usurped herself over men, then you got a problem. You got a controversy with the Lord. He's not the author of confusion. And I want you to start looking around today at the enormity of the doctrine of Jezebel and Ahab's submission to her in, in their idolatrous practice that happens all the time in these institutions of men, these religiosity institutions of men. This is what we got going on. Hey, if you understood, and I'm going to have to do a follow-up study on the beauty of the and the glory of the woman's place before God is so outstanding. I got to do it. The phenomenon of the woman's place and the order God gave to her and God gave to man. And so you got the wicked one that wants confusion. And he wants to dismantle that. And in dismantling that, he literally makes misery the life of a woman and the life of a man. And he destroys the family by it. But look what he says concerning the churches. This is really, it may be super offensive to a lot of people. Oh my goodness. Here you go again. You're such a chauvinist pig. Okay. Well, call, call me that, but I'm going to use the word of God because you're going to have to take it up with God. You're going to have to take it up with the Apostle Paul as well. The Bible says right here, let your women keep silence in the churches. Um, I was at one not too long ago, and it's amazing. The pastor's wife has the ability to stand up or speak in the church and start telling things as they are and usurps authority over the man. And I'm going to tell you something right now. That is not a church. That's a share time, I guess. And that's fine. But in the church of the living God, you got to define things. There's order and authority. And it's not, the Bible says, let your women keep silence in the churches. So obviously that is not a church 
because there is no authority, there's no order, there's no leadership, there's no man called of God and ordained. So what you have is an institution of men, a feel-good fellowship, a little canning jar Christianity mentality where you can get together and share time, and it's not the church. <clears throat> because the church of the living God was for the preaching of the gospel and doctrine by an anointed called minister of the gospel that God chose for the salvation of individuals. See, that's why I say you've got a lot of of uh, you you've got a lot of salvation of men being promoted today. Free willism, conscientious salvation, my way, my works, I did it. You got to God did everything, but we got to wait for you to do the rest. No, 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 no. That is a fake, weak, milk sauce, mollycoddle doctrine of men. It's not of God. And that's why the entire thing is failing. Because you have hired hirelings to speak a, 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 teaching, a, a teaching of men that is contrary to the scriptures. You've allowed women to usurp authority over men in the churches and to do all these programs and all this stuff. And it is not a church. See, to, to uh, the fearful ones of God that fear God and keep his commandments, that is terrifying to actually sit down and play church. Uh, I would rather sit in the wilderness myself by a spring of water and have the ravens feed me and be away from Babylon than to go to these institutions of the dead and partake of their evil cups and drink of their evil cups and be at their altar of flesh and put meat in my mouth that's off of a devil's uh, platform. I'm not doing it. And someday maybe I'll talk about the true communion of God. As it's on my mind. Versus this fake false communion of men. Look at this. Let your women keep silence in the churches. What does that mean? Speak? What does that mean? Preach? What does that mean? Teach? What does that mean? Have authority and stand up and open their mouth and speak over men? What is that? Is that, is that what we're talking about? Shame on these institutions that have taken away the standard by which God gave to his church and replaced it with man-made theology. Shame on you. If you understood that I am, and I'm going to get to it, you got to follow me through this. This may be super offensive to some women out there, but it is for your glory and beauty if you stay with it. If you understand really the depths of why God did it, and I have to do a follow-up on this, I'm not being mean. I'm not being mean. I love my wife. I love my girls. But I'm going to tell you what, there is a place that God appointed them in their order, just like the sun was placed in its order and its revolutions, just like the moon in its 14 parts has its revolution and its place every day it's in order. So if the sun, meaning the man, and the moon, meaning the woman, have their order, we still have to come back down to this terrestrial and say, where is our order? And one of the things I'm battling right now is to have disorder and dysfunction in the church of the living God, to have women usurp authority over the man. Read Revelation chapter 2, where Jezebel and Thyatira, he says, I will curse thy children with death. Because I gave you space to repent, and you repented not. And that spirit of Jezebel has overcome the churches today or these institutions of men. I, I still believe that in the proper church of God, there is none of this. He says, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded. There's, there's a commandment here. They are commanded 
This is not just Paul saying it, but this is a commandment that came through Moses, that came through the law. This goes way back. That, that God commands this. And there, there are so many other verses I could go to, but I got to spend some time on this. It is not permitted for them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience to who? If a woman that is married in a godly marriage to a man is in obedience to her godly husband, then that is a record unto God. Because we have so much disarray it's because, and so much broken homes is because we have so much rebellion against what God's order was and still is. They are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. It's a shame. It's as, it's as if she was naked and unshorn. It's, it's a, if, her, if her hair is her covering or a glory of her, it's a shame for her to have it all cut off. Just like, and we could talk about that later, about the shame for a man to have his head uncovered, meaning Christ. His head is Christ. The woman's head is the man. We're talking about not hats and stuff. We're talking about the true covering spiritually. And if they'll learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. We're talking about regenerate, God-fearing men and women that are under holy matrimony, that are within the fear of God's counsel and his doctrine and truth in the church. I don't, whatever goes on outside of that, is your own business, your own thing. You can do whatever you want. Have fun. But when we're talking about refining, this is in the church. And if it's not going on and you call it a church and it's not being adhered to, then it's not a church. It's fake. It's false. It needs to be um, uh, renewed. That's why King David said, making me a clean heart and renewing right spirit in me. The church needs a revival and a renewal to have the function of it be proper. We have a lot of people being saved but we don't have a lot of souls being saved. Did you hear that? We have a lot of people being saved in their conscience. I'll say this, but we have very few souls being saved because the church, the church is preaching another doctrine and allowing and tolerating another word and bringing in other teachers and having the wicked ones speak his forked tongue and lies and covering it up with all sorts of fun and games but the, the church of the living God needs to be renewed, revitalized, and come back to the principles and the doctrines of Christ. He says there, it's a shame for a woman to speak in the church. So that's the church. Whatever you got going on outside of that, if it's going on in your little thing you got going, then you can't call it a church. It needs to be repented of and turned and come back to the doctrines and really be revitalized to be a church. And then... He says, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out from you or came it unto you only? <laughs> is this your deal? Something you made up? Or did God speak it through his word? Because if you reject God's word on this, then there, what's the point? Come up with your own philosophy. Do your own thing. If any man thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Well, I, I made a little post today and I said, being bold in ignorance is next level stupidity. Being bold in ignorance. And I'm going to say this next level stupidity, higher level stupidity than that is to be bold in ignorance in things 
that pertain to the spiritual church of God. We have to refine and come back and really study this out. If any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, forbid not to speak with tongues, let all things be done decently and in order. And I'll, main, I'll say that right there, that this means covet to prophesy, mean desire to preach, desire to speak the truth, desire to speak God's word as he's already spoken it so that you're not a babbling idiot making claims that don't come to pass and then be called a false prophet. You speak God's word and true prophecy is speaking God's word of truth, Jesus Christ being the last prophet, true prophet. You speak Christ's words, then you are coveting to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is coveting to preach the truth of the gospel as God called man. And then he says, forbid not to speak with tongues, meaning don't discount languages and language barriers. Tongues are languages. There's actually around 70 of them, 70 to 72 different languages from the Tower of Babel on. Don't forbid because certain things can happen. Don't say, oh man, that's strange. No, if that person is speaking in a tongue, Paul tells us what to do. Have an interpreter. Make sure it's interpreted. Uh, let all things be done decently and in order. So when we look at uh, the, the subject matter in Second uh, Timothy, and I'm going to jump back over there. Second Timothy, he talks about the the beauty of that was in in these last times, and that's what I think we have, brethren I, and and sisters. I think we have last times going on, and the wonderful reading uh, reading that Paul gave to us this morning. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. And I'll leave you with this. But watch thou in all things. Keep your eyes open. Endure afflictions, because that's the spreading of the gospel happens then. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Why does he say that? Make full proof of thy ministry. Make full proof of thy ministry. Because he was about to be offered. It was about over. The time of the end was near. He says, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Brethren, sisters, friends, family, loved ones. Those that I don't even know. We don't know our days. We don't know our times. And so we have to work with fever and energy and fervency to speak the words of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So at Hunting Under Heaven today, I hope I brought some good thoughts to your mind. I'm going to try to do a follow-up on a few subject matters, especially the one on the woman's place and her beauty and what God gave her and the order in that and the fantastic blessings that come upon that uh, that I think the wicked system has eroded. So at Hunting Under Heaven, thanks for tuning in. And uh, until next time, blessings, grace, peace, and mercy be upon the children of God and the church of the living God. All right.